0: From the Medical Republic, I'm Francine Crimmins. This is The Tea Room. With more than 70,000 people dying each year due to drug-resistant diseases, the threat of antibiotic resistance has never been so pressing. And by the year 2050, the World Health Organization estimates that that figure will rise to 10 million people every year. But perhaps the solution doesn't lie in developing bigger and better antibiotics. Today, Ruby Prosser-Scully on Phage Therapy, and whether there could be a future for using viruses in our fight against multi-drug resistant bacteria. So Ruby, we know about the rise of antibiotic resistance, superbugs, and the need to conserve certain classes of antibiotics, so they have sustained utility in treatment, but what are the major concerns about our capacity to fight infection in the coming decades?
1: Well, Francine, we know that each year pharmaceutical companies are producing fewer and fewer antibiotics. And this is for several reasons. Scientists have to search further and further afield to find microbes that make promising antibiotics, which is expensive. And most antibiotics are only used for short stints, which is far less lucrative than a daily heart drug. And because antimicrobial resistance is ratcheting up, agencies like the World Health Organization tell pharmaceutical companies to keep these new drugs in reserve. To keep them working for longer. All of this means that the financial incentive to develop antibiotics just isn't there.
0: Okay so that means that we're potentially facing a future where someone could present with an infection that won't respond to any class of antibiotics we have on hand. I mean in fact this already happens in some cases uh, with certain uh, bacteria that presents but what might be the less obvious implications?
1: Well, soon we might live in a world where a simple elective surgery won't be possible because the risk of getting an untreatable infection is too high. And it's very uh, frustrating for the experts in this field who are baffled that governments don't prioritize infectious diseases, especially now when we're watching how devastating something like COVID can be. So,
0: Ruby, there could be an alternative to dealing with antibiotic resistance, but is it true that we have to rewind and go right back to the moment when Western medicine
1: pursued penicillin in the first place? Yes, yeah, so this goes right back to over a century ago, in 1917, when a French Canadian microbiologist named Felix Durrell discovered bacteriophages. And this is exciting because bacteriophages Or, as we call them phages, translates literally into bacteria devouring. So, these bacteria eating viruses have basically been locked in an ancient battle with bacteria for almost as long as life has been on Earth. And these parasites have each evolved to attack a specific type of bacteria. And the way they work is by gaining entry into the bacteria. And then they're able to take over the bacteria's ability to replicate itself, and they create all these little copies of themselves, eventually tearing the bacteria cell walls apart, spewing those copies into the environment around them. Back to the microbiologist who discovered this. Felix managed to use this new discovery to successfully treat dysentery and cholera at the time. So I have to ask, why did we end up
0: with penicillin as the mainstream treatment for bacterial infections if At the time, phages did look so promising in dysentery and cholera, as you just mentioned.
1: Well, funnily enough, Alexander Fleming's discovery of penicillin didn't come to a decade later, but when it happened, it ushered in the antibiotic age. That's largely because antibiotics were just simpler to manufacture and deliver, especially to soldiers on the front line and people suffering from war wounds. And while phages have been used since in parts of Eastern Europe and former Soviet Union countries, they were largely discarded in the West for many reasons, but not least of which was the fact that Russia was an enemy during the Cold War, and so phages came to be considered a a Russian kind of medicine. Of course, uh, politics in medicine. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, Ruby, that history is quite fascinating, uh, but what would be a practical application of phage therapy today?
1: So phages could be used to treat infections that can't be treated with traditional antibiotics, In fact, they may actually be able to resurrect antibiotics that have all but been discarded because of antibiotic resistance. So, for example, researchers at Flinders University right now are exploring ways to treat diabetic foot ulcer with phages. Unfortunately, the five-year mortality following foot amputation for diabetic foot ulcer is more than 70%. One of the most common causes of infection is a bacteria unknowingly carried by one in three of us. And thanks to our overuse of antibiotics, golden stuffed bacteria is getting harder and harder to treat. So Professor Peter Speck and his team think that the odds of surviving diabetic foot ulcer could be improved by dressing the wound with a material steeped in phages. What stage are
0: Professor Peter Speck and his team at for trialling this treatment? So the
1: team has wounded diabetic mice and infected them with golden staph. They then treated some of these mice with phages and they looked at how the wound healed compared with mice who were treated with either saline or vancomycin, which is an antibiotic of last resort with some really nasty off-target effects on the nervous system and kidneys. They found that the wounds of mice treated with saline became ulcerated, full of pus, and spread. In contrast, wounds treated with either phages antibiotics healed and the bacterial loads were significantly lower in the phage group than the antibiotic group by the end of the study. Professor Speck said the findings were highly likely to be able to be replicated in humans given the similarity of the bug and the setting of infection. And what makes this approach promising is its possible shelf life. Scientists have already developed dressings bound with phages that can survive at room temperature for a year, So a version made for diabetic foot ulcer could be used in clinics and hospitals, even in the most remote parts of the country.
0: And what about phage therapy as a more, say, miraculous treatment for people for whom conventional approaches
1: to treat infection have failed? So while this research is preliminary, phage therapy has already led to some pretty miraculous recoveries. Perhaps the most well-known case is Tom Patterson, a professor of psychiatry who was struck down with a multi-drug-resistant strain of Acinetobacter Balmani while traveling in Egypt in late 2015. So this bug is an opportunistic pathogen, and it's become so notorious among soldiers returning from Iraq and Afghanistan that it's been dubbed Arachibacter. And its prevalence in hospitals around the world earned it a spot in the World Health Organization's most urgent antibiotic-resistant threats.
0: Okay, so to get that bacteria really doesn't sound like a good outcome. So what happened to Professor Patterson?
1: So he was medevaced from Egypt and eventually was returned to a hospital at the University of California in San Diego, where he and his wife, who's an infectious disease epidemiologist, actually worked together as AIDS researchers at the University of California too. So for Professor Patterson, things were not looking good what had started as a gallstone lodged in his bile duct, triggering pancreatitis, soon became much worse. The bacteria thriving in the abscess of his abdomen had become resistant to more than a dozen antibiotics, and it quickly became clear that Professor Patterson was dying. Several times, the superbug leaked into his bloodstream, triggering septic shock, and he lost more than 40 kilos over the course of his illness. So his wife, Professor Stephanie Strathody, went home and quickly found a paper describing alternative treatments for A. Balmani. And one of these was phages. She said she knew what they were from her microbiology degree, but didn't know that they were used in treating bacterial infections. But of course, finding out this information was just the start. She then had to find a doctor who could actually treat using phages. And she wasn't having much luck. So like any good person of science, she quickly turned to her large network of friends and colleagues. And remarkably, all these responses started to flood in from researchers, clinicians around the world offering their expertise. And one of the researchers who offered to help was Australian microbiologist Dr. Jeremy Barr, who was conveniently at the time completing his postdoctoral research at San Diego State University. So she'd found her expert in Dr. Jeremy
0: Barr, who could come and help her, but what about the specific phages that they would have needed?
1: Well, the phages themselves started coming in from total strangers around the world who had viruses that matched that particular A. Baomani strain. And after receiving the phages, Dr. Barr and his colleagues had about 36 to 48 hours to clean and prepare them.
0: And what does that cleaning stage involve, and why do you have to prepare them?
1: Scientists often source phages from sewage, and so there's an estimated million, trillion, trillion phages on this planet. Around 30 billion are believed to move through each of us each day, so sewage is the perfect hunting ground for them. Cleaning's also a really important step because the phages are grown in the lab, in bacteria, and when they erupt from the cell, they leave potentially toxic bacterial debris in their wake. Jeremy Barr's team ended up working around the clock 24 hours a day in different shifts for several days to get these ready so that they could be administered to Tom as fast as possible. The treating clinicians decided on a dose of about a billion phages, which they would inject into his bloodstream. Again, this was a bit of a gamble because unlike static antibiotics, the number of phages in a patient's body will grow and shrink depending on how well the viruses encounter bacteria, reproduce and kill them. This means that clinicians have to match the phages to the specific strain of bacteria, deliver them in the correct form, and make the dose high enough for it to work. In this instance, the team decided to err on the high side. And this is because at this point, the patient was believed to be within hours of dying. His lungs, heart and kidneys were all failing. What they did was they chose a cocktail of three phages with the idea that this would make it harder for bacteria to develop defences.
0: So how does that work?
1: Well, this is because there's an invisible war happening at a microscopic level between the phage and the bacteria. And bacteria are multiplying every half an hour, and the phages multiply even faster. But because phages kill their bacterial host, the survivors of the war quickly become bacteria who aren't vulnerable to those phages. Luckily, phages, unlike antibiotics, are ready to rapidly mutate and find new chinks in the bacteria's shifting armour. So within days of the cocktail injection, Professor Patterson woke up from his months-long coma. He raised his head off the pillow and kissed his daughter's hand. Their nightmare seemed to be over. Unfortunately, this excitement was short-lived and he quickly fell deathly ill again. The phages had been so effective at killing the Abelmani that a different bacteria that was living in his gut rapidly proliferated in Professor Patterson's weakened body and triggered another bout of sepsis.
0: So, if anything, the
1: phages had been too effective? Kind of. Well, phages can rapidly reduce the bacteria living in a person's body, they'll also never totally clear the infection. And once the predator runs out of prey, the phages can't survive long either. So instead, something else like the patient's immune system or antibiotics is needed to step up and finish the job. This relentless arms race, though, has a remarkable benefit for us because it means that this could be key in reviving defunct antibiotics. When a bacteria is being attacked by an antibiotic and a phage at the same time, metaphorically speaking, the bacteria has to make a decision about what mutations going to allow it to best survive. In the case of Professor Patterson, the superbug dropped this capsule that the phages used to attack them. And this capsule was one way the bacteria defended itself from antibiotics, So dropping it made them vulnerable to the antibiotic treatment again. So it stands to reason that some failing antibiotic regimens that have been sitting on the shelves not really working anymore because of multi-drug resistance could be resurrected by phage therapy. Did Professor
0: Patterson make a full recovery?
1: He was very sick and it took a long time. But yeah, it turns out the combination of treatment that finally enabled Professor Patterson to kick the infection eventually let him leave hospital and return to work. And more importantly, this case was a watershed moment for medical phage research.
0: So Ruby,
1: what's the chance
0: that phage therapy is ever going to be something that's more widely available or say in the pharmacy?
1: There are several things that need to happen. In As you can see in Professor Patterson's case, it took a whole community of researchers to come together to find the exact right phage that would kill his strain of bacteria. And we need to find a way of ramping this up so that researchers and clinicians have those phages handy in a much quicker period of time. And while compassionate use cases have dramatically increased around the globe, I mean, we've only seen a couple of dozen people receiving phage therapy here in Australia. So the pressure's now on for proponents to back up these exciting anecdotal findings with more rigorous clinical trials and to develop networks or biobanks and libraries of multiple different phages that can be deployed extremely quickly. Only then will phages really be ready to take their place among the packets of antibiotics at your local pharmacy. Ruby Prosser Scully, thank you. You're most welcome, Francine.